Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. An environmental shocker out of Hamilton City Hall yesterday. It's very shocking that this happened for as long as it did and that nobody realized that there was an issue there. That really raises a lot of concerns in my mind around uh, how frequently and, and closely the city looks at the, the system. That is Environment Hamilton's Linda Lukasik. Uh, yesterday, the city of Hamilton confirming that 24 billion liters of untreated sewage and stormwater runoff was discharged undetected into Shadok Creek, which runs along the 403 in Akut's Paradise. Happened over a four-and-a-half-year period between 2014 and 2018 after a bypass gate from one of the city's combined sewer overflow tanks was left partially open. Now, the Ministry of the Environment has been investigating since the discharge was reported to its Spills Action Center in July of 2018, and the city could face fines and charges. And the city's also said it hasn't yet determined why the gate was left open by approximately 5%. Now, there's also word that a confidential report to council back on January 16th, along with a second one on September 4th, both obtained by the Hamilton Spectator, show that city staff recommended that details of the spill be kept secret from the public because of potential legal action, which could total up to $6 million. Dan McKinnon, Hamilton's GM of Public Works, was the senior director in Hamilton Water when this all happened, and he's quoted as saying, we're aware that the investigation is ongoing, and that's why we're not saying anything about it. Our first guest will have something to say about it. His name is Chris McLaughlin. He's the executive director of the Bay Area Restoration Council. Good morning. Thanks for joining us in studio today. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. Maybe we'll start with Bark. What's it all about? What do you guys do? Well, Bark was started in 1991 by citizens as a standalone agency of the Hamilton Harbor Remedial Action Plan in order to principally monitor the implementation of the plan. So monitor the actions of the agencies, keep track of the projects, like upgrades to wastewater treatment, for example among many others, and to report those to the public. Our role has grown uh, tremendously since then in the area of public engagement and public education. So to the extent that we're on schedule this year in 2019 to involve more than 17,000 students in our school programming and events. And that's great. And they get to learn about, you know, what, what makes the world go round in terms of water and environment and all that kind of stuff. Most importantly, they learn about their connections to water and so that their lives are more complicated than just turning on the tap and flushing the toilet. Right. How that water gets processed in one way or another, both coming to their homes and going to their away from their homes. And, and what happens in the environments to the, the turtles and the fish and the other critters that they, that they love? Um, what happens to them when water is degraded, for example, and the importance of having you know, good, good operating functioning sewer systems uh, in places like Hamilton where having a really effective functioning sewer system uh, is a, and, and keeping all this waste out of the water, it's a bit like trying to bite your elbow. I, I do sympathize <laughs> with analogy. Hamilton water on that. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's no mean feat, really, to, to, uh, to ensure that all of this waste is contained, particularly in old cities like Hamilton where we have combined sewer systems. Mm-hmm. That's where there's one pipe under the old neighborhoods of the city that carry both the stormwater and the sewage discharge from from homes and and buildings, right? So it's no problem. They're engineered for the consistent flow of people on average flushing their toilets more or less, you know, um, on average. But it's when we get those intense storms that fill that pipe and then the the overflow has to go somewhere. And the city's built a number of tanks and, and other features of the sewer system over the years to hold some of that overflow that would have at one time just gone straight into the harbor. 
Um, to hold that back until the storm passes, and it can send that waste then to the wastewater treatment plant. So let's dive into this uh, latest incident, or this incident. It, it's not really uh, uh, new because it happened a number of years ago, but for four and a half years, uh, there was basically a, a sewage discharge into the Shadow Creek, a uh, bit of a head-scratcher. Yeah, it's a bit hard to understand how something like that on a piece of infrastructure could go uh, undetected for so long. Um, there are Throughout the sewer system, there's there are any number of, of leakages and whatnot. You just get this as part of an old system, right? And part of the problem with Shadok is, as you've probably already reported on over the years, uh, this illegal cross-connections to many of the homes where the the toilets discharge into the into into surface water rather than to the sanitary waste pipe. Um, in this instance, though, this is a piece of city infrastructure, and uh, it's it's the whole story of how this could go on for so long is is obviously very disheartening, and we'll be looking. Less, I think, to the past, notwithstanding we're really anxious to get our hands on the, on the ministry's uh, investigation and exactly what went wrong. But we'll be more interested, I think, in the city's response to all of this moving forward and the things that they put in place. So one of those responses, at least from, from this citizen's standpoint, is that there should be some annual or semi-annual or biannual uh, or quarterly checks on, on these sorts of discharge areas, right? Absolutely. Um, let the record show that I am drinking... <laughs> Hamilton tap water. Uh, at the moment, I have a glass of it here that I'm sipping from. Um, the tap water, it comes from Lake Ontario. Uh, Hamilton has excellent tap water. And the quality of that water coming here, uh, out of the tap at, at your home and mine, that's highly monitored, right? Uh, from a minute-to-minute basis, they're monitoring water quality um, to ensure that it's safety. Uh, these discharges of wastewater from the sewer system through what is a gate, uh, a dis- one of these discharge points in the combined sewer overflow tank, um, they're not as monitored, and some of them aren't monitored at all. Um, interestingly, the, the issue of monitoring and the price of the equipment to make these changes and whatnot came up in, back in January. Um, interesting now that it came up in January, now that we know that this first report from staff went to council at that time also. But at that point, Brad Clark moved a motion um, that we were really happy to see. We've been uh, talking to the city uh, quietly for a couple of years prior to that about monitoring sewer overflows, monitoring when bacteria escapes out into the environment, uh, much like the city of Kingston, for example, has recently done, um, in order to make that uh, make that next step in, a, in transparency and accountability, right? Um, it's not a fix, but at least people know, and that's an important piece of the puzzle. Um, Brad Clark's uh, motion at council was to for staff to go back and report to council on what would it take to monitor all of these um, uh, uh, discharges of waste into the environment and then to report on it. Uh, the, the response from Hamilton Water at the time was, I'll just warn you, it's going to be expensive. It's the same thing that they've been telling us for a couple of years, not surprisingly. But I think maybe this changes the nature of that conversation now. Um, it will be seen as more, uh, as more of a necessity than a, than a nice to have, hopefully. Um, and so that we might get a better, clearer indication of the problems that exist out there. And uh, another thing that we'd like to see the city do in response to this is a more proactive searching out of what else might be a problem. Like, Portia Oak Creek, honestly, it is one of the most maligned 
urban waterways in Ontario, it's it's just been so degraded over the years by, you know, we've talked about a couple of different sources now from from individual homes, from the sewer system, from the 403 that crosses over it in several places, runs along it. Um, it, it is so, you know, down and beaten and battered. Um, I think a more proactive investigation upstream would be a really welcome thing. It's something that uh, RBG, Royal Botanical Gardens, and ourselves who w- work closely on water quality issues, we've been doing some of this in the background and are preparing a report on this right now. Um, but we'll be doing that in collaboration with our partner agencies like the City of Hamilton. So we'd like to see some of that uh, reciprocated in terms of, you know, ha- there wasn't a lot of collaborative PR on all of this, and, and, and we like to encourage that, right? Barrier Restoration Council, the City of Hamilton, and all of the other partner agencies in the Remedial Action Plan, we all have different, very different mandates, obviously, but we all share the same goal. And so while I was, I was a little disappointed with the city's press release, it was a little underwhelming and seemed a bit self-congratulatory under the circumstances, to be honest. Um, I was far more impressed, though, with Dan McKinnon, the general manager of Public Works, his remarks in the paper yesterday. Um, you know, I've known Dan personally for many years. And, and I can totally imagine those things being heartfelt, right, that he takes this personally and that it's really gut-wrenching to staff as well. They get up in the morning and they want clean water just as much as I do um, and anybody else at Bark and, and anybody else across the community. Um, but I think it's, a, you know, hopefully this is a, g- is a good learning opportunity as we were discussing earlier, right, the, uh, the city departments work in such siloed environments, right? Y- you're not concerned with the afternoon drive show, you're only concerned at 9.30 with, with your show mm-hmm. the next morning, right? And so they're concerned with their individual mandates. And to get them to work collaboratively, co- collaboratively um, within City Hall is, is tricky enough. Um, to get them to, you know, to get collaboration throughout the community is, is, is challenging. But it's one of the hallmarks of the, of the Hamilton Harbor Remedial Action Plan. It's been one of its key features of the last 30 years. And we don't see that changing. Um, we see that actually, hopefully, you know, out of bad things come positive steps yeah. and hopefully the city and, and the rest of the rap community like like ourselves um, can, can rally around some of these problems and put pressure put pressure where it's needed in order to get the funds to move some of these things forward like pu- public notification of of overflows. We got a couple more minutes with uh, Chris McLaughlin here in studio. He's the executive director of the Bay Area Restoration Council. Does this incident not shine a spotlight on other potential incidents that we don't know about or haven't been told about? So that's exactly what I think I was I was getting at yeah. that that there are probably there there not probably there are lots of areas where not just sewage but the stormwater issue in particular which is another thing that's going to be coming back to council in the near term um and that is the issue of charging a rate for stormwater to generate the dedicated funds that are needed to go into what's called green infrastructure so getting away from from the rigidity of a system that's built out of concrete and dealing more effectively with water where it falls all across the watershed. So like in my yard and and in your yard and in our driveways and in parking lots and so forth, that's going to be a key piece of the picture as well. Because unlike this one, you know, this this one very obviously significant, more than significant, I, I don't mean to downplay it at all, the number 24 billion doesn't escape escape anyone's uh, attention, right? And that's just gross. And and everyone knows that. But we have so many other uh, non-point source, that is like not just a pipe that you can point to, but diffuse sources all across the watershed where rain falls and carries contaminants, 
oils and other other materials from vehicles and whatnot. Uh, phosphorus that feeds algae, for example, carries all of that into surface water downstream to the harbor. We have a lot of work to do across the watershed, not just in Shadok Creek, in order to remediate all of these problems. And yeah, I didn't, I don't want to downplay yeah. the the issue that we're talking about right now whatsoever. Um, it's, it, I think it will prove to be a really signature event in the in the history of remediation. It's a, um, but it is in the past, right? And the real tragedy for the city, from a PR standpoint, and for for all of us involved in the remedial action plan, all of us who care deeply about trying to change public perceptions uh, of the harbor is that this incident has really made what is an uphill battle a whole lot steeper. And so that's the really, for me, the profoundly disappointing thing this morning to face is the idea that our jobs just got so much harder because, you know, where you've got this sort of contamination all over, you know, anywhere in any watercourse, lake, river, you have it, you know, people are outraged. But often in Hamilton Harbor, we, you know, you can't swim here. People are like, meh, well, Hamilton Harbor, you know, mm-hmm. which is no, no, flat, flat out, no, it's, no, it's, that's totally not acceptable. It's not acceptable here any more than it's acceptable in, in some, you know, lake up way up, up north in Algonquin Park, for example, it's not acceptable. Um, but, w- but what's most important for us as a partner of the city is in the remedial action plan is trying to find a way to move forward, to get the funds, to work on the, pr- to identify the project and then identify the funds that are going to fix the things that are still broken. And I hope out of this um, that notwithstanding the damage that's been done generally to, to, uh, to public perceptions and the, tr- and, and the trust and the confidence in the city of Hamilton, because it'd be a real shame. I mean, the hundreds of millions of dollars that have been invested in wastewater treatment uh, at, the, at Randall Reef, for example, the sewer overflow tank uh, system that's been installed over the last 20 years, hundreds of millions of dollars. And so much of that goodwill right and 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 downright uh you know celebration uh, d- things deserving of celebration have been undone by things like this and the real tragedy is that all of that bacteria all that waste has now been washed away yeah. it's long gone and we're left you know the city is left holding this little bombshell that blew up on them yesterday from a pr standpoint could they've been more proactive i think you know, when you're called down to the principal's office, if you fess up, usually the punishment is lesser. That's notwithstanding. I'm not an environmental lawyer. I didn't advise the, the, the city to withhold that information, but it's understandable. When you're under uh, an investigation by the province's uh, investigations branch of the Ministry of Environment's investigations branch, and you hire a good lawyer and you're advised to keep quiet, um, typically that's, that's good advice. We got to leave it there. Uh, Chris, thanks for coming in. Uh, great uh, insight into this situation, and hopefully from a bad comes something really good. I certainly hope so. Thanks for the invitation. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.